it's always starts with self-leadership. It always starts with that. For me, self-leadership is the most essential leadership skills. If you cannot mm. lead yourself, how can you pretend to lead others? Yes. Right. Once you have that down, it's going to be easier to be heart-driven as a leader, heart-centered, people-centered, and value-driven because once you know how to lead yourself, you know what your values are and how they align with the work you do and they shine through you when you hopefully act with authenticity as a leader. So being authentic for me is to be true to yourself, to show up in a way that makes sense consistently, like what you see is what you get. And what authenticity is not is showing up in a way that's fake and, and, and having the need to play the role of someone you are not. Because when you do that, when you're pretending to be someone that you are not, then people realize that and it's harder to respect you as a leader. Plus, it also takes tremendous energy and effort. It's exhausting, right? So, so really, when you own your brilliance, then what that allows you to do is to take more inspired and, and, and effective action, more aligned action, both as a leader and, and for yourself in your career. Welcome to today's episode of Unleash Thyself. I am your host, Konstantin Morun, and today we're joined by Regina Huber, the CEO of Transform Your Performance. Regina champions bold, value-driven, heart-centered leadership, firmly believing in the profound impact it has on individuals and organizations alike. She's dedicated to transforming workplaces by helping companies cultivate and retain value-driven leaders. She emphasizes that inclusive and bold leadership not only drives significant results, but also amplifies profits for both businesses and their professionals. Today, our discussion delves into the essence of heart-centered leadership transcending mere titles. We'll explore the dynamics of mindset versus heart set and uncover why a mind guided by the heart is the key to success in all areas of life. Prepare yourself for an enlightening conversation that's sure to leave a lasting impression. Let's get started. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself, the podcast that inspires and empowers you to unleash your full potential. I am thrilled to welcome Regina Huber to the show. Regina, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today. And your unleashed moment, the moment you knew you are on your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. Regina, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. Constantine, I am super delighted to be with you today, and I look forward to this conversation. As am I. Thank you so much. So tell us a bit more about how you made it to this day and what propelled you to make the changes in your life so you can follow your heart and follow your dreams. Yeah, so I grew up on a farm in a small village in Germany. And since then, I have lived and worked on several continents and countries like Spain. I, I did a lot of work in Portugal while I lived in Spain. I lived in Argentina, Brazil, the United States, 
you know, here in the United States, I've lived in California and New York state and, and Florida as well. And I've also spent eight months or eight or nine months now, I think, in six different African countries. And I think it all began with my insatiable curiosity. And this is how I've really lived a life filled with adventure and with many, many risks. Some people might say I took some crazy risks. <laughs> so some of them did work out as I wanted, and some of them worked out in a way that uh, taught me a lesson. And uh, yeah, so in a nutshell, I also worked for a global consulting firm for about 16 years and had my own businesses in Argentina and Brazil and now in the US. And that's really, as I said, a very eclectic life with a lot of dance in it, gladly. But you know, the inspiration for my current business and for what I do now, although it also changes over time sometimes as we grow ourselves, right, Constantine? The, the original inspiration really came after I moved to New York City. That was moving up from Brazil, Rio de Janeiro at the time, about 11 years ago. And I had just gone through a, an extremely painful experience with a fraudulent business partner. And I really had to make a decision to step out of victim mode and into a self-empowering mindset at the time so that I could progress and get out of that deep hole that I felt I had fallen into, you know. And so I, I took the lemons that life gave me and I made a cocktail with them. And in this case, it was a Brazilian caipirinha. <laughs> So that then I could, you know, move on to to a new start in a in a different location and yeah, a new city, a country I'd lived in before, but in a different state. So yeah, this is pretty much it. <laughs> wow, what what a story, right? And it revolves around so many parts of the world and so many beautiful places. So let me ask you this: you went through that tough time in Brazil, moved to the States, when you fell down the deep hole, mm -hmm. how long were you in the hole for? And what made <laughs> you realize, hey, I have that power. I can actually pull myself up. Well, it didn't happen the very next day. Okay, I have to admit that. It certainly is a, it's a process. Gladly at the time, I had been studying some uh, very powerful holistic modalities, such as body talk, theta healing, and some other things, some shamanic studies, and so on. And all of this helped me move slowly out of there, right? I also had met people, very dear friends, through those studies, and they offered me sessions because it's always better to work with someone else. We all have our blind spots. You know, it doesn't really help when a friend supports you in your victimhood, so you need somebody who really sees the other side of the tunnel and, and help you help you guide you there, so to speak. And this really also gave me the tools and techniques that I have been using ever since in a way to just get up again when I fall or to see the, the bright light at the end of the tunnel. I think because cleaning up the mess in Brazil took such a long time, it was a pretty long process for me, you know, because there was always something else to resolve, something else, something else. I owned a brick and mortar business and it's really almost harder to close a business in Brazil than to open one. Mm. Yes, I had a deal with 
corrupt authorities. I had to deal with this entire situation. I had to sell the the house that I had my business in, which I had bought and, and, and built out before. And it was just not as easy as it sometimes uh, might seem. Yeah, exactly. Well, it sounds like a couple of things, actually. Mm-hmm. The first thing I really liked that you touched on is the idea of having someone to talk to, be it a friend, a mentor, a coach, a right. therapist. Because you, you, I've seen this in my life. I have so many blind spots. And in my dark times, when I battled with depression myself, it wasn't until I started reaching out and allowing people back in my life that my life actually turned around. Because there were only so many things I could come up on my own. And because I was in a dark spot, I needed help. And it sounds like you encountered a similar scenario where you allow people to help you. Sure, it still took a long time because these things are not easy. There's a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. But you now came out on the other end. Yes. How has that experience shaped up the next 10 years of your life? Well, uh, first of all, I like to give back. And uh, I also believe that it has a huge impact on the decision on what business I wanted to create at the time. Yes, it had to do something with helping people, coaching people, doing something meaningful with my own experience and transform it into a mission. So basically what we do oftentimes, and I'm sure you're doing the same (laughs) concept, even through this podcast, you inspire others to step into their self-empowering mindset and heart set, as we might (laughs) discuss later. You know, I really, I arrived in New York City and I love to start something fresh sometimes. That's just me. However, it's also very challenging. And I didn't immediately know what I wanted to do with all this eclectic experience in all these different places. So I sat down and I figured it out. Again, not from one day to the next. It's a process. I started talking about my ideas. I started building networks, some of which were more supportive than others. I started meeting people. And through that process, I gained clarity on what the message should be and who even I wanted to work with. Initially, I worked with performing artists because I love to dance. But then during those networking events, the conferences, the meetings, I discovered that there were so many women at the time that wanted this type of support and they actually told me so. So I switched my audience around a little bit. I worked mostly with entrepreneurs and later mostly with employees. Again, not only women. I love working with men. It just has been so that more women have been drawn to me during all these years, but I have certainly also worked with men and I love doing that as well. I love the message of sharing the world. There's actually a few messages, but the idea of being in service to others Mm-hmm. and giving you back a lot as well. And the idea, of course, of incorporating things that you're passionate about that sing to your heart, like the dancing, right? Like helping people out. That's always beautiful to hear. And nowadays, I know you work with leaders, right? You mm-hmm. work with, like you said, women and men. Yes. What would you say your ultimate goal is if you were to expand on what you've been doing now? If you were to talk again in 10 years, and looking back, what would you like to 
have seen accomplished in the time? Well, first of all, I love to work with value-driven leaders, with heart-centered and people-focused leaders, because they are the ones who want to create positive change. I don't always know exactly how, you know, how people exactly are, what they are about when I meet them. But you find out through uh, the conversations you have with people. And that's also why most coaches have those discovery calls before they even start working with somebody. I also do trainings though, you know, and there's a mix of people, of course, but it's also really beautiful because then you get different perspectives, different viewpoints. I have done trainings in in several different African countries as well. And also once in, in Qatar, in Doha, with a group of women and these are very different cultures. I occasionally do trainings in different languages. I can do them in Spanish, Portuguese. I can coach in Spanish, Portuguese, German as well. If somebody needs that, which then organically draws very different people with different backgrounds toward me, which for me has been extremely enriching as well. Now, of course I have, my own benefits that I get from that. But what I want to see is more bold and courageous leaders who dare to stand up when something's not right. Yes, this is what I think we need most in this world, more courageous leadership, more people who dare to swim against the stream when necessary, when they know something smells fishy when corruption is involved, as we see it everywhere, really. I mean, I talked about corruption that I experienced as a business owner in Brazil. I also experienced it in in, in Argentina. But, you know, there's way bigger corruption than that all over the world. And we know this. So we need more people who are willing to look at this and not look away anymore and just bring their leadership so that, we all can benefit as humanity as well. Wow. I, I love that message and I love your vision because I I couldn't agree more. It's exactly what we need. We need people, leaders and otherwise, to challenge the status quo, to challenge the way things are, especially if they don't agree with them. Of course, there are different ways to challenge things in and by becoming a leader like the one you described, you can make a real difference in the world. So let me ask you this. You you brought up the word heart set a couple of times now, and I would love to dive a bit deeper because I know you talk about building leaders or businesses that have not just the mindset of whatever they want to accomplish, but also have the heart set. Can you tell us how you see heart set and why you believe it's important? Yes, it is actually included in both my leadership frameworks, my signature frameworks, both in the Powerful Leadership Transformation, which is a framework that helps us lead self and others. One of the pillars of one of the four pillars of that framework is called a self-empowering mindset and heart set, because I believe that a mind led by the heart is the most powerful one. And, you know, you and me, we're very heart driven. I see these hearts in the background. <laughs> yeah, just <know>. right. <laughs> so it's it matches our topic right now. <laughs> That's nice. I also included it in the in my other framework, the new paradigm leadership. Heart is one of the four elements of that too. And there it stands for both the heart driven leadership, but also the people who are the heart of the organization. 
We could talk about this now all day because these are two big frameworks. But just in general, you know, I'm also very heart driven, just like you, Constantine. And and that's really something I had to relearn and remember as a human, you know, because we are oftentimes so brought up to function in our minds for the most part. And we are so conditioned. It's almost as if our minds think our thoughts for us rather than the other way around because we forget to listen to our hearts. We are so schooled in a, in a rational, to be rational, to be analytical, to fit into the system. And we then sometimes neglect our passions and our purpose, which are connected or somehow reside in our hearts. And uh, we forget about our own needs. That's another thing. I want my clients to live what I call a freaking amazing life. It's not only about the professional success, which oftentimes is defined by titles and, and money. It's not just about that. It's really about the fulfillment you get from it, the impact you have with it, and the life you live outside of work as well, right? That's why we need to connect back to our heart and learn to listen to it, to use our intuitive abilities. And by the way, it's also, we talked about courage earlier. Courage is also in the heart while fear is in the mind. Yes. Mm. So we, when we allow our hearts to guide us, then sometimes we can do courageous things, although we might be in fear because of course, courage is doing it anyway. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's so much intelligence and wisdom in the heart. It's your unique wisdom that you have gathered and stored there over your life so far. When we only pay attention to mindset and don't include our heart set, then we miss out on at least 50% of our intelligence. And that would be a shame, wouldn't it? So it would be a shame. <laughs> And, I, and personally, I've lived my life like that uh, for a good portion of it. Because, yeah. like you said, I, we all grow up in systems. It doesn't matter what country you grow up in, mm-hmm. what place in the world. You learn from your parents who learn from their parents. You mm-hmm. learn from your teachers who learn from their teachers and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And no one, for the most part, wants anything negative for you. Right. However, also no one really teaches you to follow your heart. Yeah. And well, to listen yeah. to it. Yeah. Parents do, most parents, not all, most parents do the best they can. <laughs> the, the well-intentioned ones do the best they can. But, you know, I didn't know these things uh, when I was much younger either. So we learn, right, as we move along and we try to get out of this limiting conditioning programming that ha- that that makes us act as if we weren't powerful, that oftentimes has us, a play smaller than we really are, right? Also, I think what's important to also remember is that the mind is so overrated because, yes, our mind holds questions. This is important because we want to find answers to our questions. We want to create solutions for ourselves and for others. We want to make a difference. However, the heart is the place that holds the answers to those questions, you know, and some other areas in your body even may also hold answers for you, depending on 
how you're designed or who you're designed to be. And I learned that a lot through human design and quantum human design that I studied more recently. So, you know, for some, it's like also the sacral center, the emotional solar plexus, but the heart definitely has an important role in everything. It holds that piece of your identity and it's also connected to your self-worth. It's where we find compassion both as just an individual and as leaders, where we find love, self-love, where we find what courage I already said before, but I think it's also important to remember that so many, in so many languages, the words heart and courage are actually related. They have the same root. Like, for example, in, in, in Portuguese, coração, coragem. In French, like cœur. Courage. There are many, many examples. Um, yeah, there's a reason for that, right? There, there is, and that's the language is powerful. That's something I've studied more and more recently, and it's really interesting. Not just language, but how we talk to ourselves, like how we use the languages that we talk to talk to ourselves in. But you touch on something really powerful for me, something that I've discovered as well in my um, journeys. The idea that a lot of those answers that you're seeking are within you, right? Within your heart, your gut, within parts of your body. Mm -hmm. And that's such a powerful message. And I think it's important to repeat it as often as possible is because in this society, at least where I grew up in Europe and then in North America, everything teaches us to look externally for answers. And social media is the best at doing this, right? Mm -hmm showing us commercial, showing us people that have made in life or have made changes in life. And all the answers are always external to us. Nothing is really internal. Well, until we pause and realize the way they're saying, I have all these questions, but I shouldn't ask everyone outside of me. I should first ask myself because likely I have the answer and I have enough information from everything that I'm being bombarded with to make a decision. Yes. And you know what's the difference also? You have the answer that's right for you. Because there might be other answers, different answers that are right for others. But the answer that's right for you is in you. And oftentimes in the heart. Right? And your exactly. inner power is inside of you. You cannot find power externally, a real power. We talk about power over others, but is that really a real power? I don't, I don't think so. Because if I try to have power over other, over you, for example, Constantine, and you don't allow it, it's gone. Yeah. Right? yeah. But your inner power, yeah. no one can take that away from you. And it's limitless. That's a powerful message right there. Yes, we have this limitless, infinite power inside of us. We just sometimes forget to connect with it. And when we're not connected with it, it's almost like we're trying to turn on a washing machine without plugging in the power cord. The power energy cannot flow. So in order for us to switch on our inner power so that power energy can flow, we must first plug in our inner power cord in a way. You know, so remember that it's there and connect with it. Yeah, absolutely love that. And I know we touched a bit on the leadership aspect and how hard set fits into it and in your models and the pillars you've built. Mm -hmm. And what I like to look at 
leadership has is not just leadership in an organization, where you manage people yeah. or you lead a group of people, but to the leadership that appears in every single one of us in our lives. Mm-hmm. Because every single one of us, in my mind at least, can be a leader in their own life. Yes. Now, if you have a title to go with it, if you have a salary to go with it, if you have a team of people that work for you, sure, fine. Mm-hmm. But we can all be leaders and we can take lessons like the ones you've shared to amplify our life and find the joy and happiness, find our purpose and execute on it. So let me ask you this, when it comes to the leaders you've worked with, and when you bring up this idea of hard set, how do you see the reaction of the people listening to you and working with you? Well, sometimes it's important to bring in the science (laughs) behind it also. You know, first of all, one fact, one medical fact is that the heart can survive without our head brain for a while longer, right? Even if it's just maybe a few seconds. So it has a very much a life of its own, although it's all connected. Yes, we know from, you know, holistic knowledge and and studies that everything is connected. However, you know, there's also that. And there is a... For example, the Heart Math Institute, they have done a lot of research around heart and heart coherence, right? So when you talk to people, first of all, you can show them exercises, how they can connect to their heart. That might not always be super convincing right away, because if you've never practiced it, it's not that easy the first time around, maybe. You need a little time and dedication to get back into that practice. It also has to do with trusting your intuition because part of your intuition, at least, is also in your heart. You might also get it through other areas like your third eye, as many people say, and, and other places, right? Or or the gut or whatever it is. But the heart in, in neuroscience is really a part of the brain. We call it the heart brain. And the heart isn't just, it's all organs, by the way, is not just a physical organ. It's It's not just a pump that keeps the blood flowing through our veins as all organs in our body it has its very own consciousness in holistic healing we learn this we study this and so it's important to remember this is a scientific fact that the heart has about forty thousand brain-like cells they are called sensory neurites and they feel and remember similarly to the neurons in the head brain, but independently actually of the head brain. Again, saying, you know, it all everything plays always together, but they have their own life, so to speak. So that's all their own mind. So that's why we say our heart is, is, is a part of the overall brain. And it communicates with the cranial brain at all times. We could say that our cranial brain and our heart have like this special connection, right? Because they communicate at least in four ways, uh, neurologically, yes, biochemically, biophysically, and also energetically. And it's also really interesting that the heart's electromagnetic frequency, and this is measurable, right? It flows out from the heart and back in the form of a torus field. So it does like this movement. Right. And scientists have found, again, measurable, that the heart's electrical field is about 100 percent, not 100 percent, 100 times as strong as the brain's electrical field. And the magnetic field of the heart can even be up to 
5,000 times stronger. What does that mean? It means that our connection with the world around us happens to a large extent through our hearts. Yes. It's literally like a magnet. We also call it the magnetic monopole that's in, in this area because mm-hmm. it, it's actually, it, it attracts things and people toward us. And that's I, and yeah. I love that you bring the science Yeah, because of course I have a math background and when I started on my journey, I've always had a tough time with anything spiritual that's not tangible mm-hmm. because my mind would always go back. Well, what's the science say? What's mm-hmm. the analytical side of it say? Right. And it's beautiful to see that people are doing research and they're proving that, hey, wait a second, what you and I know to be true is right. actually measurable. Right. And I think it's also important to remember, you know, all while this science, uh, uh, you know, is... I believe, very, very, very reliable. There are other so-called types of science that aren't even, you know, there's also corruption in science. So we have to be discerning always with anything, including science, right? But also, for example, in, in, in the energy conversation, for a long time, when you talked about energy, it was called woo because people didn't really understand it, but then science caught up. And now if you tell people, okay, science says this, and oftentimes it just gives you more credibility. Although this is knowledge, ancient, ancient knowledge that exactly. humans have always had, <laughs> right? And in holistic healing, we know how energy works. Everything exactly. is energy. But it's easy for us to forget at times, right? Because mm-hmm. when society moves in a different direction yeah, and there's different agendas or maybe different things that we want to promote, then of course we forget about yeah. these things that our ancestors know or knew or have practiced or anything else like that. And it's it's really powerful to really, like you said, go back, see what the science says, see what, let's say, our ancestors say, and make up your own mind. Yeah. We don't have to agree on everything. Your beliefs are your beliefs, mine are mine. You beautifully earlier, right? We're each individuals on our own journey. Like the heart and the brain, they are separate organs that have their separate functions, but they can only coexist together. They can only really work together. And I I see that analogy beautifully with human beings. You're on your own path. I'm on my own path. And we'll do amazing things. I'll do amazing things. But we can do even better things if we connect together. Absolutely. We are all connected. And this wholeness idea, we are connected spiritually and energetically, right? You can also explain it differently, maybe. But I think these are the two ways that I like that I like to use to look at our connection. We are all a part of consciousness. That's what we are. That's why the African Ubuntu idea is so beautiful, because it says, I am because you are. Mm. I cannot be without you. And that's because we're all consciousness. No, maybe it's all a hologram, right? (laughs) I cannot exist without you are my mirror. It is what it is, even if I don't always like it with certain people, you know? Even if it's uncomfortable to admit that it is this way. And you you touched on something really important there, the idea of mirroring. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've come to realize it's actually a thing, even though I didn't want to accept it initially, 
when I started really looking at my own life and how I interact with people and how they interact with me and how a lot of the interactions are essentially mirrored. Like if I don't like something about myself, I'll project that out and I'll attract that. And all of a sudden, it's just a matter of how I feel on the inside. And once I realized that, first I had to sit down because I'm like, wow, that's that's a shame because all the things I didn't like is actually I didn't like about myself. It's all I didn't like about you, Regina, or someone else. It was about <laughs> myself. I wasn't like it. So that was, okay, that's something to work with. But then realizing that you have the power to change that, I think that's the more profound lesson there. Because Absolutely. oftentimes, at least the way I grew up and I learned from everyone, I didn't think I had the power to choose or to have free will in many aspects. Of course, some there's always freedom in, mm-hmm. or in my mind at least. But then I realized, wait a second, everything I do in life is a choice. It's free will. Sure, some choices lead to less favorable outcomes. Mm-hmm. I have a choice. Absolutely. We don't always have control over our circumstances, but we have control over what we do with them, how we react to them, you know, how we respond to them, I should say, because reacting is often connected to impulsive reactions. So that's why we like the word respond better for this sometimes when we do it more consciously with more greater awareness. Yeah, respond versus react, right? And yeah. I know that firsthand because I still do it, unfortunately, but it's a work in progress where mm-hmm. if I allow my mind and my ego to just kick in, mm-hmm. it's going to be a reaction almost every single time. Right. Because it's acting on our behavior. It's acting in my best interest based on outdated information and tools. That's how I see it. It doesn't want anything bad for me. It actually wants the opposite. It wants safety. It wants me to be as good as possible. So how do I change those outdated tools? How do I update the software? So then my brain, if it gets to that reactive mode because it's acting in that impulse, then it's acting on newer technology. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot of what you just said. Now, some of it has to do with triggers. When you know your triggers, it becomes a bit easier. When you're really aware of what triggers you. I know what triggers me. I'm not always completely perfect in responding to those but triggers. But what can help is to really take a step back and take a deep breath first. And then, you know, we can use emotional intelligence <laughs> to to do something more meaningful with that situation, which also then gives us better benefits because if I just burst out or I I explode like a pressure cooker, then usually it doesn't give me really the result I want. Like for me, one of those examples is bad customer service. (laughs) (laughs) I have to really have like a cup of tea or whatever nearby to, you know, to say, okay, turn it down. You know, you know, that's your trigger. But also, as you said, we want to update our software over time. The more we practice this, the more it gets reprogrammed, the more we throw out those viruses yeah. <laughs> and, and we, we renew our, our software, even if it's not with one update, right. But it's, it's just gradually done but it still is being done. And I think that's the important part. Our subconscious, as you truly said, or correctly said, is uh, 
it is just programming. It wants to keep us safe. It includes that survival mechanism, that survival instinct that wants us to be safe. That's also why we so often experience irrational fear. Rationally, consciously, it doesn't make sense, but subconsciously, it does. Not to us, but to our programming. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I would say the reason it doesn't make sense to us, like, and I can relate to that, uh-huh. is because we're not aware yeah. of what triggers our subconscious or what lessons mm-hmm. it learned at an age when you couldn't remember things. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it makes sense. There were experiences that led to that. Mm-hmm. We just don't remember what those experiences were. At least that's how I see it. Exactly. And we actually already bring some of that baggage, limiting baggage in our genes. We also inherit it. It's not even just acquired in this lifetime. There's a lot to our subconscious programming that we can explore if you want, also through many holistic modalities, if you're curious about that. But mostly we do it not just out of curiosity, but because we want to get to a better place with our programming and, you know, and, and eliminate more of those limiting factors, uh, the disempowering beliefs and thought patterns, behavioral patterns, habits, and all of that, that keep us smaller than we, than we really are. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's something that is fairly new to me, looking at generational trauma or generational subconscious effects how does that tie into the work you do? Like, are you able to help people that you work with leaders or otherwise to tap into that and realize why some of the limiting beliefs may be yes. showing up in their life? I can do that. The more open-minded they are, the easier it is. So not everybody is equally ready to, you know, step into certain modalities. It's also not always necessary. And I adapt my methodology is my coaching approach. Although it's always very holistic, I adapt it to the individual client. It's completely customized. You don't have to like everything. We can, we have many, many different possibilities, options to work on challenges, to upgrade programming, to help you be more confident or whatever you want to achieve. And, and I really like that idea of coaching or mentorship, mm-hmm. because again, looking at how social media tries to push things or people, gurus, whatever you'd mm-hmm. like to call them, is the idea that if this tool works for me or these tools, this set of tools is going to work for you as well. Yeah. No matter who you are, no matter your circumstances, no matter your background or even physical location. Mm-hmm. And to my logical brain, that never made sense. But did I fall for that? Absolutely. Many, many times. Because we are looking for shortcuts as human beings. We're looking for the easy way out. Yeah. And oftentimes the easy way out is very painful down the road. Yeah. And I, again, I've, I've seen that many times in my life. Yeah. So let's go back to the leaders and the women and the men that you work mm-hmm. with. What are some of the biggest challenges you see them facing today? Of course, with the idea of following that hard set. Yes. Well, you know, sometimes I work with people who 
want to develop their leadership skills more. And at other times, it's more their own careers. You know, they, they want to advance in their careers faster. They want to get to a promotion. They want to get a salary increase. And we work a lot on confidence, on owning their message, owning their unique brilliance, what I call distinctive uniqueness. Although that also includes that the other side of the coin, distinctive uniqueness includes what I call owning, sorry, knowing, owning, and showing your unique brilliance. And the other side of the coin is also being aware of your shortcomings and working on those too. So some, you know, want to really work on their own careers. And what we do is we, I help them know, first of all, what their value is, own it, and then show it. Yes. That also has to do with heart set. Because to come get back to your question, right? Because as we said, courage is in the heart. You can find through certain exercises, you can find more confidence inside of you. It's not all about the heart, okay, Constantine? I mean, there's a lot. Inner power can, can be accessed in many different ways, by the way. We can work with the energy, with our own energy. We can do those exercises. I share a lot of those exercises in my book, Speak Up, Stand Out, and Shine, which really helps people to prepare with all these techniques to prepare for challenging situations, whether in business or, or in their personal lives, whether it's for speaking, whether it's for presentations, negotiations, you know, whatever it is. There's so many different ways. There, there are many different ways we address challenges or, or whatever people want to work on. For the leaders I work with, it always starts with self-leadership. It always starts with that. For me, self-leadership is the most essential leadership skills. If you cannot mm. lead yourself, how can you pretend to lead others? Yes. Right. Once you have that down, it's going to be easier to be heart-driven as a leader, heart-centered, people-centered, and value-driven because once you know how to lead yourself, you know what your values are and how they align with the work you do. And they shine through you when you hopefully act with authenticity as a leader. So being authentic for me is to be true to yourself, to show up in a way that makes sense consistently. Like what you see is what you get. And what authenticity is not is showing up in a way that's fake and, and, and having the need to play the role of someone you are not. Because when you do that, when you're pretending to be someone that you are not, then people realize that and it's harder to respect you as a leader. Plus, it also takes tremendous energy and effort. It's exhausting, right? So, so really, when you own your brilliance, when you know your way through all the pillars of my framework, Powerful Leadership Transformation, then what that allows you to do is to take more inspired and, and, and effective action, more aligned action, both as a leader and, and for yourself in your career. Right. And so, yeah, so we could go any way here with this conversation. I also teach or rather I should say a coach in this, in this case, people on conversational intelligence. You said earlier, words are powerful. Language is powerful. Words are spells indeed. <laughs> you know, in fact, so we need to know how to use our words 
also has to do again with emotional intelligence. It has to do with how to navigate successfully through a team meeting, through your negotiations, how to speak up powerfully in meetings so that you're actually heard and seen. All these different things that my clients need. Yeah, those are all amazing points you, you brought up. One I would like to go back to is this idea of leading oneself. Because mm -hmm. if you can't do that, like you said, you cannot lead others. Yeah. How are you seeing people react to that notion? Because I would imagine not everyone realizes that first you have to do the work internally before you can help anyone else, be it in a leadership role or otherwise. Well, I think it's one of the reasons why I created my first leadership framework, Powerful Leadership Transformation or PLT, because it applies to both situations. And when people can see that, then it makes more sense. Once they transform through this process, they can then also take this to their teams in two ways. And the first is how they show up. So they're already taking it automatically. And then they can also bring the knowledge and the, and the techniques and some other, mm -hmm. you know, insights that they gain to their team and, and play with it there as well. And yes, you know, we all want to go as individuals through that self-discovery process. We want to be on that journey of self-discovery so that then we can gain greater self-awareness, lead ourselves better as a result, and transform. Exactly. I think that's just something that people usually naturally want as well. Not everybody, but then they are probably also not exactly the ideal clients <laughs> for me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, any anyone that wants to do any type of work on themselves, mm -hmm. like through personal growth, personal development, professional development, at one point or another, they would real they will realize that self-discovery is such a huge part of it. I mean, it took me a while to realize it, but once I did, it's not like you can unsee that information or un forget the information you just acquired. Mm -hmm. And that's like you said, that the powerful part is you first do the work internally, and as you do that work, you can start sharing with others, be it in a leadership form or otherwise. Right, right, absolutely. You you just summarized it really beautifully. Yes, I would say so. So, so self-discovery is what our life is about. And the more we do it voluntarily and consciously and in, intentionally, the, the, the more enjoyable I think the process gets. Yes. I would imagine so because in my experience – once I aligned myself with those ideas and realized what I had to do and the power in self-discovery with personal growth and spirituality, well, that was it. Like I became happier almost instantly just because now I, I again, it, it's to my mind, to my ego. It was clear now that a lot of the work can be done by, by me. I yes. don't have to give my power away. Absolutely. It is a big responsibility. Sometimes people don't want to know it, <laughs> that they have a choice, right? Because then they don't have to do it. Then they just can be victims. 
however, for those of us who do want to know that we have this power and take that responsibility, it can also be very, very enriching. And that's what we are here for. We are here to grow and to make an impact. And we also make that impact through our own growth because it reflects back into the overall consciousness. Exactly. And I love that you, you brought those two parts up because I see the same way, right? It's about learning and growing. And we, we, we grow through learning. And yeah. learning can be done, like you thought, talked about this at the beginning of the, the show, through mistakes that we make in life or lessons that we, we learn along the way and through all the good things that happen as well. Everything is a lesson opportunity should we want to accept it and then go from there. Right. And the idea that, you know, growing, I mean, how can you grow if you don't learn? That's yeah. Yeah, everything is an opportunity for growth. All so-called adversities, as we call them oftentimes, are opportunities for growth in disguise. We just need to accept them as such. It's really on us to do that. So we have, again, as you said earlier, we have a choice to do that or not. And, and this is what it's all about. And I even wrote just recently a LinkedIn article for my LinkedIn uh, career growth strategies newsletter where I said, you don't make mistakes. It's not really a mistake. It's just like an opportunity for growth. And if you see it like that, then you can also practice self-compassion. You know, we, we judge ourselves so harshly so often. We don't treat ourselves with compassion, but in hindsight, everything is clearer. And we don't always have the knowledge at the time. Yeah. And I love that take. There are no mistakes, just opportunities to learn. And once right. we shift that mindset, I know for me it was a big aha moment, mm -hmm. then a lot changes. Because like you said, you can bring now love internally. You can start loving yourself and showing more compassion. Mm -hmm. And the exercise I do with myself to kind of wrap those thoughts around to me and make sure I understand them fully is mm -hmm. putting myself in a situation where someone else made those mistakes. Mm -hmm. How would I respond to them? Right? Maybe a coworker, maybe a friend, maybe someone I love dearly. And then you realize that you are harsher to yourself than you'd ever be to anyone else. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we always, you know, we talk so much about empathy and how important it is in business and how we have to put ourselves into other people's shoes. I don't negate that, but actually, first of all, empathy is just an ability. It's not an attitude. Uh, you know, compassion is the attitude we need because that's what mm. leads us to the behavior we want to see. Empathy, you can even misuse or abuse, right? It's an ability. So, we most of us are quite empathic. There is a lot of people who who suffer from their over empathy. We call them the empaths. They are very highly sensitive, and and they need to also realize what they can do with that ability. What's the gift in it? There's there's sort of a I don't like that word really, but a curse or a shadow side and a gift in it, right? Because it makes you very sensitive, which can be also can mean sometimes that you're also very intuitive that you can hear what's really said between the lines and all of these things but and you can pick up other people's vibes however of course you know it's also sometimes pretty intense 
for people. So, you know, these are also often the people who, and I'm not saying always, but oftentimes the people who then put other people first because they suffer so much with them. And as a coach, for example, if I suffer with you, that doesn't really serve you because I cannot powerfully support you. So I need to be able to turn this into compassion yes. and I into really, something meaningful. I really like what you touched on there. I don't think it's talked often enough about how if you are, like I say, a friend comes to you for help mm-hmm. or vice versa. You want, like you said, the ability to not suffer with them so you can actually help them through the process. And I really like that because it's not something that, you know, has come up too much in my mind, but it makes so much sense because how could you help someone if you're living through the same things that they are? Yes. It's not, you know, putting yourself in their shoes for a moment may increase your understanding, but then you need to take a step back and and take charge also. You know, is this really my life or is it their life? Because we also need to concede to every single human being that they are living their own lives. They have their own stories. They have their own lessons to learn as, as soul beings, as spiritual beings, and as human beings. That's no different. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, the idea that everyone is on their journey as individuals, but then they're part of a bigger consciousness. So then it's all about being on your own journey while working together with those around you. So then you each elevate each other up as much as possible. Because right. as you do the work you're talking about, guess what? You come out much stronger on the other side, and now you're equipped to help others and give back. And that may happen naturally that you might have to push yourself a bit, but every single one of us has learned so many lessons that we can then take and share with the rest of the world or even just those around us. Yes. Yes. And the important part of it is the transformation. This is why I love to do transformational coaching, for example, right? It's transformational leadership coaching. It's transformational coaching to lead yourself and others better. But you don't, as you said earlier, you don't need to be a leader of other people. You don't need to have a team, you know. And also, being a leader doesn't mean to impose your views on other people, to impose your ways on other people, right? Let them be their own role models. Now, I even always like to say, you don't need a role model. Your own best role model. Follow your own path. It's unique to you. Because so many people so desperately look for role models. They search them. And that's when they fall for those one, you know, one size fits all solutions. Because they think, oh, if this person did this, it must work for me too. But they don't consider that they are unique as they are. And it might just not apply in the same way. And sometimes it does, but not always. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes people win the lottery, right? It happens all the time, but it's such a small percentage. And I really like where you went with that because the idea of role models is something we all had in our life at some point or another. And what I realized in my own life is that the people you look up to Chances are you're not looking up to them 
as the whole being, like you have to be exactly like them, even though that's what a lot of us do. It's more around some of the values those people hold that you want to see in your own life. So I think doing work so you can understand which values really attract you to that person or which part of that person attracts you or, or attracts you to them, then you can bring those in and just work on those because we talked about this earlier. You have all the answers. Right. I really like that. Yes, I like how you, how you phrased this, Constantine. It's individual pieces, right? That, like when I move to another country, I observe. I've lived in several different countries and yeah. continents, right? And you, you too. So we, we observe and we somehow evaluate. We, we judge because we all judge as humans, right? So sometimes we judge too much, but it's also, it's also a gift at the same time to be able to judge because then you can determine, you know, what works for me, what doesn't work for me, what makes sense to me, what, what do I categorize as a, good thing or a bad thing to just simplify really quickly, right? What's not acceptable to me? What do I like about a culture? What do I not like about a culture? Uh, You know, all these different things. It's a very similar concept. It is, absolutely. And you're right. And and I, I like that you added that part as well, because at the end of the day, the way I see it is that we are, like you said, individuals on an individual journey. And we're learning all these amazing things in life. But oftentimes, because we set our sights on following a role model or having certain expectations around anything, really, your targets, your goals, objectives, mm-hmm. we miss out on so many opportunities and so many potential lessons, so many potential gifts that we just make it much harder for ourselves. Like I look at my life. If I had paid attention to a lot of these lessons and gifts and opportunities earlier in my life of course you and i wouldn't be talking here today because my life would look a lot different mm-hmm. but how far along would i be on the journey of personal growth self-discovery and spirituality mm-hmm. and that's what ideally from conversations like this i would like our audience to take in people in the world is that yes you will be on your own journey yes it will be tough yes you will have to work on it for the rest of your life however there are small things and tools and and inspiration and empowerment you can pick up from different sources. So you don't have to spend 10 years together. You may be able to spend only one year and then you can spend the other nine years on other parts to, for yourself and to give back to others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. That's why we're here to inspire <laughs> and share, right? Share our time, share our wisdom that we have gained over a lifetime. Uh, again, that's individual and different to everybody. And and also share our stories so that uh, people can see, well, you know, pain does not always have to stay pain, right? So pain is, as some people say, pain is a fact, suffering is optional or something like that. I can't quite yeah. remember. Pain is inevitable, I think. I mean, pain is inevitable, <laughs> suffering is optional. So, exactly. Yeah, that's what I meant. Thanks for that. So it's, it's, it's really up to you. What's important is the transformation through it. That's what we call growth usually, right? Yeah. And while it doesn't always have to be growth through pain, that's, that's one aspect no. of it. And if we fight it, then... You just lost an opportunity or yes, multiple. Exactly. 
And that's why I keep looking back at my life and I don't regret anything. It's brought me to what I am today. I'm sitting with you, Regina, having a beautiful conversation. But I'm looking at all those opportunities I could have taken. And there are people that were me back then. So that means you have the choice in your life right now. Do you want to keep allowing those opportunities to pass you by? Opportunities to meet people, opportunities to maybe follow your heart a bit more or start to follow your heart if you haven't done it so? But any of those opportunities. And that's the biggest, I would say, inspiration moment for me that I took on my journey is, yeah, just take a look around you. See all the beautiful things that can help you on your journey. And just allow the men. Don't have such a rigid expectation around anything. Yes. Always at the same time use discernment. Is it right for you? Maybe consult your heart <laughs> there you go that i love that how do you let's talk about that how do you consult your heart regina these days well i think it's about really becoming still and listen inside you can also really for example just sit and take some very big belly breaths slow down your breathing and close your eyes put maybe a hand on your heart area if that helps, and allow yourself to feel your heart in your physical body, first of all. Because, you know, it's, it's a physical organ, but it also has consciousness. So we want to bring those two ideas together and then maybe ask a question and listen. Practice this often. I know it's hard to start. I, I've had to do a similar, not had to. I wanted to do a similar exercise and I started doing it very similar to what you described. And it's tough at the beginning because all your thoughts and ideas from the past come in. It's like, oh, this looks silly. Why, you know, why am I doing this? All those old conditionings and thoughts and tools that we talked about. Right. But have, give yourself a challenge. Do it for seven days. Okay. See what happens on day five, on day seven. See how you feel. And I love that you brought that example because I wanted to share something that happened to me recently doing one of these exercises in not about a week ago now. I It was a Saturday, had a really good day. And most days I'm really happy, joyful. There's a lot happening in my life. You could label it good, bad and everything in between. But I keep a very joyful and happy appearance because that's how I feel inside as well, because I'm following my heart for the first time in, a, you know, in my life, let's say. But on this particular day, for some reason, I allow certain negative emotions to come into my brain and in, in, into me, and it brought me down. It brought my joy down. It brought my happiness down. And it reminded me of the times when I was depressed, and that's a cycle, right? So all of a sudden, as I let this come in, I get to feel a bit worse and worse. And then I came back into my office where I have a couch and my chair, and I sat down to do this exercise, similar to what you described. Take a deep breath in, do a couple of breathing, breathing exercises, and then I actually just started talking to myself, allowing messages from the heart to come through. And after 10 minutes, all those worries, all that feeling of whatever I was feeling before went away. Honestly, I stood up and I'm like, I, I can't believe this. It's like, I, I don't know what happened. Right. Like, my... Joy went back to normal. My happiness went back to normal. Sure, it wasn't like 100% fixed, but it was like 90%. And it was just me 
doing some breathing exercises and talking to myself. Yeah, beautiful. From the heart. Yes, beautiful. What also helps really is if you focus on, and this also is, is related to the heart, if you focus on a sensation or a feeling, an emotion, like appreciation is yes. one of them. Right. Gratitude, so you, right? you practice appreciation with that, you automatically increase what we call your heart coherence. Mm, yes. So now you are more coherent in your heart. You're, there's more coherence between, you know, even between the heart and the brain. And that's when, when it even also has a positive effect on your health, right? The stress level goes down. Yeah, and uh, speaking of that, I mean, I have a practice of gratitude in my life now, and it's made mm-hmm. huge improvements in my overall well-being. Mm-hmm. How have you seen it impact your life? Because I'd imagine you've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah, I do gratitude exercises, journaling as well. I have, you know, specific items that I switch out in my morning routine. Some I always keep and gratitude always works. I sometimes call it appreciation. Yes. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's related. And yeah, it, it definitely is something that when you practice gratitude or appreciation, either of the two, the universe says, okay, she likes that. Or in, in your case, he likes that. Let's yeah. give him more of that, right? Exactly. Because it's, it's, it, it changes our energetic vibration, our frequency, and that's how we attract circumstances as well. Now, that doesn't mean that all the challenges go away. However, you know, it's, it just becomes a little bit easier to attract the right people and opportunities into our lives when we show appreciation for what we already have. And do you see a difference between appreciation and gratitude? Because I know it's you can use them interchangeably. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's it's sort of a very fine line. So when I'm grateful, ah, it, it's hmm. yeah, it's really hard to explain. It's more on the what you feel. A, yes, on a feeling level, how I see it. So I the mean, gratefulness I could... is the deeper the deeper feeling, while appreciation. Mm-hmm is I, I appreciate the fact that I have this computer to do the interview on me. Right. Not because I'm grateful for the people in my life or how yeah. far I've So, yes, in a way, yes. I could even also appreciate something that, you know, I see looking out the window right now. And I appreciate it, but I don't really have a reason to be super grateful for it. I I don't know. It's just like a little bit different in that sense. Sometimes appreciation can even feel like more to me. It it depends on the, probably on the object a little bit. Yeah. And what happened? And I I really like that because like we're talking earlier, it's not one size Mm -hmm. fits all. Yeah. Like your practice is your practice. Mine is my practice. At the core is the same idea. We're, we're being thankful for what we have in our life. Yeah. But how you do it and what words you put behind it, that's up to you. And that's the beauty in all this work is that you can make it your own and you should. And there's so many tools to pick from and see what works for you and what doesn't. I absolutely love that about this personal development and self-discovery with spirituality component because mm-hmm. it gives you so much flexibility and it doesn't try to confine you within a system 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you also, you want to use your own words sometimes because as we said, words are spells and, you know, some words have been very badly manipulated even. We don't want to go into the depths of this here, but people can can explore this on their own if they're interested. The, the thing is though, sometimes certain words just feel better. They make more sense for you. Then use those and uh, don't just feel obliged to use the same word as one other person just because they are yeah. famous or whatever. <laughs> I love that, Regina. So I want to take this a different direction for a second. There's a question I ask people in my life and also guests on the show often. Mm-hmm. And I know you had a tough time about 11 years ago when you moved from uh, Brazil to New York. Mm-hmm. But let's say you could go back in time. So your present self goes back to that time mm-hmm. and you can talk to your younger self and give yourself a piece of advice that can really help you in that moment then on the journey. When what do you think already, it would be? When it already happened? Yeah, so okay. exactly. Like as, you, as it's happening, you can talk to yourself oh. and coach yourself through that problem okay well this is really shitty it's really shitty i know that but (laughs) here's your opportunity maybe this wasn't even the right path you stepped on maybe this wasn't really what you truly wanted to do and well you know there there's your lesson about making decisions with your heart you clearly didn't listen to your intuition when you partnered up with this person you ignored some of the some of the signs the little cues the warning signs you didn't have as much information as you had before but you also ignored those so what's your biggest lesson here first of all no longer neglect your intuition ever again. Second, don't precipitate your decisions. Check in with, and now that I know this, with, in my case, it would be my emotions. Because I learned through my human design chart that I have emotional authority and I need to use this in my decisions, right? Which I didn't know back then, but okay. So, Always check in, give yourself time, don't feel pressure. Just because the world around you has to be fast all the time or they think they have, you don't have to feel pressured into decisions. Third, you can revise decisions. You don't always, yes, I know you. your top value is integrity, but integrity doesn't always mean that you cannot pull out of a decision or a promise that you have made. Sometimes you got to do that. It's not the worst thing. Yes, you want to usually keep your word, but when it comes to important decisions, maybe you need to take a step back from them when they don't no longer feel right. And trust yourself more because you really did not need this partner in your business in the first place. (laughs) You had always done everything on your own. Why not this time, right? But... Because you could have done this on your own, you can also pull yourself out of this on your own with, yes, with the help of your beautiful, you know, holistic healing friends, but you don't really, you have all the power inside of you, all the resources inside of you to resolve the situation. Give yourself a little time. Be patient with yourself and compassionate and you got this. 
say that that message is beautiful because it can apply to me. It can apply to many people going through life and whatever challenges they're going through, especially those last parts that are not specific to your own situation. Mm-hmm. Give yourself more time. Give yourself more compassion. Do all those things that we do for others, but we take for granted for ourselves. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful message, Regina. All right. So let me ask you this. Where can people find you if they want to work with you, if they want to read your books or, or find out more information? Yes. My website is transformyourperformance.com. My LinkedIn profile is Regina Huber. And on LinkedIn, I'm also sharing a newsletter. I usually write weekly articles for that. It's called the Career Growth Strategies Newsletter. You can subscribe to that and then you will receive your weekly articles in your inbox conveniently every week. I have a YouTube channel with lots of free resources as well. My book, Speak Up, Stand Out in Shine, is on Amazon as Kindle and as print, if you prefer. And yeah. And that's about it. Awesome. Regina, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience that maybe is top of mind for you or something that we haven't talked about? Because, of course, there's so many things we could talk about. Yeah, there's a lot. Also, if you are really serious about, you know, leveling up your leadership of self and or others, then I would also love to gift you a complimentary uh, one-on-one session and you can book that too. I can give you that link, Constantine, if you want to offer this to your audience. It is transformyourperformance.com without the www, <laughs> important, transformyourperformance.com forward slash, forward slash leader up level. We've been talking for a long time. <laughs> yes, we have. Which has raced by, the time has certainly raced by. Yes. <laughs> But now, yeah, so that's a gift that I wanted to put out there for everybody who's truly, truly committed to create that change for themselves, okay? And one other thing that I just wanted to remind you, you do not need a role model. You can be your own role model and, you know, stop competing so much with other people. I think that's really, really important. We spend so much precious time and energy on competition when we really could put more energy and more effort into running our own race, which would improve our results tremendously. Yeah, that's a beautiful spot to stop right there. And I love that because one thing I realized in my life is that I don't need to compare myself to anyone else. I need to compare myself to how I was yesterday or the day before, the month before, the year before. And that's the only competition I need. Am I better? Beautiful. Am I not better? Well, let's actually change something then. Yeah. It's progress that counts. Exactly. Exactly. And other people are just different. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much, Regina, for your time. I want to thank the audience for sticking with us. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Regina. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Constantine, for having me. It's been lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for being with us today. To find out more amazing content and episodes, please visit UnleashThyself.com or you can find us on social media.